Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Did you ever just have a weekend where you just whipped everybody you were around's ass? Did you ever have that ever? Where, you know what, you're playing golf 36 holes a day and you're just, you know what, it almost should be in the family budget. That was my weekend. Welcome to another week of Don't At Me. The YouTube chat is already popping and the folks are there. I can't breathe. But you know, that was the Boston Celtics. But you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you know what today? We don't care because according to Joe Mazzula, the young head coach of the Boston Celtics, where everything is peaches and cream, where it's just about participation, we can smile because as Joe Mazzula told his troops, the Boston Celtics... Smiling and having fun is the most important thing. Let's hear this inspirational Lombardi-type speech from the millennial himself, Joseph Joe Mazzula. It took 47 minutes, 59.999 seconds. That's all hard. It may take 48, it may take 53, it may take 58, it doesn't matter. There is only one thing that mattered in Game 7. It is not having fun. It is not smiling. It is nothing other than winning. I will never shy away from this. I don't care how many diaper-laden little blank boys are out there with their little haircuts and their little words and their ability to get offended very quickly. Winning is the only thing that matters. Winning. Why do you think you see me repost on Twitter all the time this show? Because I want our numbers through the roof. I want Pat McAfee's numbers. I want to get where McAfee is. It's winning, people. It isn't about, well, you know, we are going to have a great time. We're going to show up. Uh, we're going to smile because this is the most fun you're ever going to have. No. Yeah. <laughs> you choke, you crap the bed, and fans are dumb enough, absolutely dumb enough to say, well, you know, Dan, he's just trying to get them to play hard. Well, you know, Dan, he's just trying to get them to play loose. Well, you know, Dawkins, you dumb son of a, you know what? He just trying to keep it light. I did all kind of accents right there because I like accents. I'll tell you why I like accents. Because when Bob and Tom were rolling on, uh, it was WFBQ here in Indianapolis, back in the 90s when I would be coaching and driving into Assembly Hall, I'd listen to Bob and Tom. And whenever they had accents, I liked it. So I do the little millennial accent. I do the hill jack accent. I do all the accents. I like them. I like accents. People get mad. Well, you're making fun of a group. Well, maybe I am. But people do me, them, these, them, and dozers, my accent. So don't at me about accents. I like accents. 
Sir Charles, see, there needs to be a college basketball, and this is for you, Eric Shanks. See, college basketball, pregame, postgame, it sucks. There isn't a good show other than when Barkley is on it. Clark Kellogg thinks he's like this traffic cop. Horrible. Uh, Hummel and all the guys on Big Ten Network, it used to be great. Jimmy Jackson, myself, and Dave Repson on the Big Ten Network was glorious. Glorious. Still to this day, the best they've ever had. See, you need something like Barkley, and I fill the Barkley chair perfectly. So this is to you, Eric Shanks. I know you got all your guys on there. I know you got all the little guys that used to play in the Pac-12 and all the guys, and I know the diversity hires, Lavelle Jordan and others that you got to make. I understand the business, but if you want something interesting, we got a piece together on Fox, a Barkley-type, Kenny-type, Shaq-type, Ernie type chair. I nominate Bonetti in the in the host chair. I nominate me in the Barkley chair. Obviously, we got to come up with diversity, that kind of thing. But that's where we start. Because only Barkley and I can say these two, these things on TV and get away with it. Here's Sir Charles saying what needs to be said. See, every guy that coaches that's on TV wants to get back into coaching, so they're very afraid to say anything. I don't give a rip. Barkley don't give a rip. So here's Barkley on how stupid the Celtics were yesterday. Let it fly, but Sir I Charles. Say man, why you dumbass Celtics make making my head hurt? Oh man, usually I say makes my ass tired, but he said makes my head hurt because he's on TV. That's what we need. What do you get from Billis? Well, you know, uh, I coached back uh, one year when I was getting dry cleaning for Coach K, and uh, we won the championship, and blah, 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 blah. No, that's what we need in college basketball. That is. I should do a college basketball show, pregame show, every Saturday morning on the Outkick Network, and I get to choose who my partners are because I'm not having guys that aren't fun. Nope. So Barkley's right. The level of stupid yesterday out of the Celtics was unimaginable. It was unimaginable. How about you just keep jacking shots? I don't know the NBA record for bad threes, but I saw it last night. I don't know the NBA record for stupid, but I saw it last night. Let me give you one coaching tip. All right? Here's what I saw. Well, this zone is really hurting the Celtics from uh, Fat Gundy and from Reggie Miller. But neither of the idiots knew why it was hurting the Celtics. I'll tell you why it was hurting the Celtics. Because Jolton Joe, I was going to say museum, Missoula, who is coach extraordinaire, put Al Horford in the middle of the zone. Now, Why is that bad? Because Al Horford can't make a mid-range jump shot in the middle of the zone. Now, if he could, then he's the perfect guy in the middle of the zone. But he didn't, which means he couldn't. Well, Dan, doesn't mean he couldn't, means he didn't. No, it's over. Like, the series is over. So didn't means couldn't. And you kept putting him in. It was like Tom Crean, bless his soul, putting Cody Zeller in the middle of the Syracuse zone. I got to tell you, I've always said Cody Zeller did not play well in traffic. Well, guess what? Cody Zeller's never been a good NBA player. Why? Oh, he's been a decent NBA player, but he's never been a fourth pick in the draft, third pick in the draft NBA player. Why? Because he can't play in traffic. 
So you put him in the middle of the zone, it can't happen. Indiana lost. Still sticks in the craw of Indiana fans. You put Hartford in the middle of the zone, catch in the middle, turn, make the shot. That's first option. Second, you look down. Third, you look opposite. The only thing Hartford could do was look down or look opposite. Couldn't make a shot. So after about the third time in the middle of the zone, you say, okay, Jalen Brown, get in the middle of the zone. Some people put Isaiah Thomas, point guard, in the middle of the zone. I'm just telling you, the level of stupid wasn't just Jack and threes. The level of stupid was who they put in a zone. And they put a guy that couldn't make a shot. You have to make a shot in the middle of the zone. I couldn't keep my eyes off Duncan Robinson on the wing or on the bottom left. He wasn't even coming in on Horford. When Horford got the ball in the middle, it's supposed to shrink the zone. Nobody came to Horford. That zone killed Miami, or excuse me, the Celtics, and Jolton Joe, smiling Joe Missoula, had no answer. It was stupid. And it did make my head hurt, Charles. It made my bald size eight glava hurt. Now, Amia Copa, I must tell you, I was wrong. Back in 2019, ESPN got smart. Tim Corrigan, the executive producer, put me on the Summer League, and it was glorious. I got him to give the boot to Grayson Allen. And then this exchange between me and George Sedano. I'm going to try to get George on later on. George is right. I am wrong. I admit when I'm wrong. Like Arthur Fonzarelli said, I was, let's hear from my stupidity, please. Oh, just a picture. I'm sorry. Almost Doc uh, Sedano almost had a fight on air for saying Eric Spolster wasn't a top ten coach in the league, and that Brad Stevens was a better coach. Well, I did say that, but I didn't like George Sedano being a fanboy of Miami Heat, so I had to say something. And Tim Corrigan, the producer at ESPN, said it's the best. It's how summer league should be. That is how summer league should be. Now we've got like you know little African American girls and little. Uh, white girls doing the broadcasting, and they're like, well, you know, he's really good, and blah, 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 shut up. You need real analysis all of the time. We don't, you know, well, we're going we're gonna to let so-and-so do the games. Oh, okay. And you get, well, you know, are there feelings? That's what women analysts do. Women analysts always talk about feelings and how hard they're playing because they don't know anything else. But this was genius. This was TV. All right. My Memorial Day weekend, I hope yours was glorious. It involved whipping the living crap out of my son in golf, my buddy Cam Safali, and my brother. It involved many, many beers. It involved me cooking glorious steaks. It was, in a word, America. Damn right. It was America. I went to Kroger. I'm going to tell you what I did. And you're going to say this is bragging, but I want you to do it. So I go to Kroger. There's a large lady in the checkout line in front of me. And she's got more food, honest to God. And I asked her, I go, man, what a great party you're having. And we had a good laugh. So I get up there. I went Krogering, we call it. So I have more food than I've ever had. $384 worth. True story. When you buy wine and you buy beer and you buy more beer and you buy high noons and then you got to get six steaks and I wanted good steaks, next thing you know, look, I don't spend money. I don't spend money on clothes. I don't spend money. So I always spend money on either experiences, 
you know, we're going to fly to Tegan's, not drive or whatever, or food with my kids and my family. Oh, my, everybody here. So I'm in line, and I want you to do this once in a while. I made a lady cry. Lady behind us, we're laughing, we're talking, it's cool. And I look, and I decided, all right, I'm buying her, I'm buying her food. So I like, I looked at her and her mother-in-law, lady's 85 years old, and her daughter-in-law, and I told the, you know, the, the registered lady, look, I got her food too. Lady started crying. Nobody's ever done this for me. I'm paying it forward. And we had a beautiful chat. Do that. Buy people's food. Help people out. I know everybody ties to the church, and I've talked about this before. Yes, you should give to the church, but you know what? You know what? You should give the people more. You should help people more. You can tell this elderly lady, 85 years old, they didn't have much money. And, you know, and it was a holiday weekend, and they were probably extending themselves. So I bought it. God's blessed me. He's given me a great job around great people, and he's given me a lifetime of fortune. You got to share it. Now, this isn't bragging. Oh, maybe a little bit. Maybe I want you to know that I'm a good dude. But anyway, it's really not. It's to encourage others to do the same because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're all blessed. I'm blessed to be able to buy all this stuff for my family, right? We're all blessed. Give it, move it forward. Do something for somebody and it makes you feel better. It's funny. I called my 87-year-old mother. I told the lady, I go, look, my 87-year-old mother told me that I had to do this because I just want a bunch of money off my son playing golf. That's what I did. So I did it. I called my mother. I said, hey, mom, you'd be proud of me. Here's what I did, right? She goes, you know, my mom has a boyfriend. He's 90. His name is Ted. She goes, Ted just did that in church. Saw a family, hardworking family, five kids. He walked up and gave him 50 bucks. And the reason Ted did it is because he said, you know, I would have loved to have somebody do that when I had my six kids in church and we were struggling. Pay it forward. Pay it forward all the time. America. America. That's what we do in America. We do. We do. We do. Here's what else we do. You probably have seen this, but you want to see someone's backside? You know what I don't like? All right. You're going to see this video, and I want your thoughts on this. I want your thoughts on this. Uh, Lady goes to the gym. She falls down, and somehow the video gets posted. I don't like posting videos from public places. Let's see. America. America, damn it. She's running. She's running. Oh, boy. Watch the pants. Watch the pants. Oh, moon river wider than a mile. I'm watching you in style someday. We're after the same rainbow's been. Man, that's a moonshot. Didn't think it was going to happen. See, I don't like videos like that posted from public places. I don't like 911 calls. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to love this. Jennifer and the rest on the YouTube chat, you guys are going to love this. So last week we talked about PETA. Last week we talked about PETA being angry because birds got hit on baseball fields. Honest to God, we did. We did. And it was me and the gun show. PETA's watching. Everybody watches this show. 
Like, I don't understand. I got a nice letter. I got a nice note from Steve Levy uh, last week. Here's Peter. Hi, Dan, Bobby, and uh, <clears throat> Miko. Is that? I can't read that. We caught your discussion about the birds recently hit and killed by baseballs. Realize you were misinformed in our response. So we're sending out our statement on Will Brennan's tweeted apology uh, for the unfortunate sacrifice. The sacrifice is when Gabriel bunts in the 10th inning, blah, 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 blah. While we may not see eye to eye, we're always available to discuss our campaigns, all right? But I go back. And we encourage fans concerned about birds' welfare to skip the chicken wings at the concession stand. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't lie to you. I have no concern about birds' welfare. I'm sorry, I don't. Birds shouldn't be on the field. It's like a dude that runs on the field and gets tackled. You know what? You shouldn't be on the field. You're on the field, you might get hit by a ball. I have no concern about birds' welfare, but I love the fact that PETA responded. I love the fact that, once again, PETA and others just can't get enough of this show. I don't blame you because I like our show. We got a good show going on here. I'm not lying to you. We got a great show. A shot out. We got a great show going on here. So I'm just telling you, good for you, PETA. Yay, Rod. Go fight with. But I don't care about bird safety. I don't. I honestly don't. I know I'm supposed to. Um, I know we're all supposed to. But I don't. And I'm going to eat meat. In fact, I made some great steaks. Uh, a bird's going to get popped by Randy Johnson. And you know what? Life goes on. It's a circle of life. I don't have any feeling at all about birds. Do you? Um, I don't know. And I'm not about to skip the chicken wings if I like chicken wings. Now, I'm on a diet starting today, diet number 9,627. So don't at me. All right, file this one under idiots being idiots. We know that, uh, well, Le'Veon Bell is an idiot. Everybody knows it. Who doesn't know Le'Veon Bell's an idiot? Raise your hand. I know Le'Veon Bell's an idiot. But I got to tell you. So Le'Veon Bell admits to smoking weed before games, and, but he's blaming Adam Gaze, the coach of the Jets, uh, for why his career and everything went south and blah, 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 blah. All right, good for you. Good for you. I don't care about Le'Veon Bell. You know, weed is a real problem in our country. I mean, I know you all love weed, and I know it's the cool thing to say weed's great. But I'm just we're like a third world country. Idiots walking down the street, smoking weed, dogs in airports, dogs in restaurants, dogs in grocery stores. We're like Jamaica. And Jamaica's not even a third world country. That's what we are. Yeah, deuces, man. Yeah, I can be cool. Hold on. I, I, I didn't even know I was going to do this. But yeah, I want to be Le'Veon frickin' Bell. I want to be a, another idiot out here acting like an idiot. Deuces, man. Yeah, deuces. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that means I'm cool. Yeah, deuces. I tell you, speaking of idiots... Don't make me start. Uh, Sam Ponder, who is a friend of mine, not really, but kind of a friend of mine, we worked together, and I loved working with her because you could jack with her. I remember when she was dating uh, Drew Stubbs, a center fielder of the uh, Cincinnati Reds, and um, he didn't get her a Valentine's Day present, and we, Tariko and I, were shooting baskets with her, and we just couldn't laugh hard enough. 
We're like, well, I got my wife a Valentine's Day present, and I'm getting divorced. She went over to his house. I love Sam Ponder. Now, Sam Ponder, I think, is probably mad at me because I, you know, whatever. But I love Sam Ponder. I do. I loved working with her. Actually liked her husband more than I liked Sam Ponder. I love Christian Ponder. We'd go out to dinner or lunch when we were working. I love, I told, I used to tell Sam, I go, you know, I know every red-blooded American boy loves you, but I like your husband better. I like him better. I like them all. I think they're great people. So Sam Ponder was accused of bigotry by some Cretan named Nancy Armour of some uh, USA Today. Because why, why was Sam Ponder accused of bigotry? Well, she was accused of bigotry because she defended women. She defended women playing women's sports against women. Somehow in the world of USA Today, that's bigotry. And the piece of crap that is Nancy Moore attacked her. That's why people don't want to speak up. Because all of a sudden, uh, Sam Ponder has to read about herself in USA Today being a bigot, being a horrible person, because some woman that got her little degree from Marquette and who knows what or whom she's married to, this woman, has an opinion different than hers, and yet has a platform that could describe a very nice woman, a very empathetic woman, as I say here, as a bigot. I mean, honest to God, you know, hit pieces are all the far left have. You know, Doyle, who is the worst of the worst, I know about Doyle's affairs. I know about Doyle lying about his affairs, Greg Doyle of the Indy Star. I know all about it. But I don't talk about it. For him to be the judge and jury is ridiculous. And I'm guessing it's the same thing for this woman, Nancy Moore. I worked with Sam Ponder for years. Wonderful, wonderfully nice, smart, fun, empathetic to all people. The personal name calling attack by far left columnist Nancy Moore is an indictment of Amore and her band of crazy. Because that's what we got here, a band of crazy. It's also an affirmation of Sam and her desire for fairness for women and sanity. Now, Nancy Amore did that whole Jordan Bohannon, Frank Kaminsky little uh, biatch thing. Well, people are, 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 are telling on themselves, good, I'm telling on myself. You're a jackass. I'm for fairness in women. I support Riley Gaines. I support Sage Steele. I support frickin' uh, uh, Sam Ponder. And I sure to hell don't support some freaking crazy ass woman who's never been in sports, never been in anything, has her little Marquette degree, is married to something, someone, or not married to something or someone, with an opinion in a national newspaper that is so full of crap. I support Sam Ponder. I stick with Sam Ponder. And so does my friend Sage Steele. Let's see Sage Steele right here. Pathetic attack on a woman who is simply fighting for other women in sports. Nancy Moore has never been in sports. Never. Never. She can't, she couldn't play sports. She's, she has no in on sports. She has no experience in sports. She doesn't understand that Riley Gaines is sitting there in a locker room getting ready for a national championship. And Leah Thomas, the dude that swims as a woman, is swinging his, you know what, around right in front of all these women. If that happened to Nancy Moore or her daughter or whatever she has, it would be an outrage. Oh, my God. But people that have never been in sports, people that have no experience, never coached, never played, nothing, have no idea, yet they have big mouths, big asses, talk too much, and suck. 
That's it. They suck. Nancy Moore, Christine Brennan, you suck. Anyway, pathetic attack on women who are simply fighting for other women in sports. Moore chooses to lead with her emotions versus fact. That's what women do. My wife will tell you. That's what women analysts do. Oh, my God, we're playing so hard. As opposed to the facts. What's the strategy? Follow the science, right? When in doubt, just pull out the bigot race card. Comical. Stay strong, Sam Ponder. This is a lonely fight, but it's worth it. That damn right. Damn right. The worst among us, the Greg Doyles of the world, the Nancy Amores of the world, with no experience, have all the answers. They don't have answers to nothing. They're garbage people with garbage takes. They're irrelevant. They're obsolete. All they have is this crap. That's it. You tell me anybody in the world is tuning in to Nancy Amore right now to find out the strategy of the Celtics versus the Heat. Anybody in this world? Nancy Amore has gotten a few uh, hundred followers. I've been following it. Nancy Amore has got some followers. Yay, Nancy. Yay. Jeez. You don't have anything to say. So you go to hit. Why do you think the Indy Star, our columnist Doyle, talks about dogs and cats and feelings and a puff piece on a right? Because they can't talk about sports. Nancy Moore, Christine, Brennan, Greg, they have no experience. They cannot do it. They cannot talk about sports. So they do hit pieces. That's what they do. Everybody's a bigot or everybody's a racist, or everybody's homophobic. They can't tell you. Ask Nancy Moore about being in the middle of a zone, or Greg Doyle, about catching the ball in the middle of a zone. What are you supposed to do? He'd give you some smart aleck answer because they don't know. They can't know. They'll never know. But they can sure call you a bigot when you don't agree. And that's why people are afraid to speak out. That's why when you turn on the radio in Indianapolis, you got Quarry, you got uh, Bowen, nobody, everybody's milquetoast. Nobody wants to speak out on anything that's important. The afternoon shows, little kids, you know, Dre and V got his Eastern green. You know, it's garbage. It's all crap all across because people are afraid to speak out because they don't want some clown like Nancy Amore in her little USA Today column coming at you. I've had more USA Today comps, Dan Wolken. Dan Wolken would, couldn't tell you a thing about what happened yesterday. He, Jeff Goodman, t- can't tell you a thing about the strategy of basketball last night. But, boy, they can tell you when you're a bigot. Boy, they can hate on you. That's all they got. They got nothing else. Zero, zip, nada, nothing freaking else, period. Period. Nothing. But they can hate on a woman who is truly, I don't say this about everybody. Like Greg Doyle's a fraud when it comes to being truly empathetic. Nancy Moore's a fraud. When, these, those people, this woman, I have seen it. I know it. Truly, Sam Ponder is empathetic to all people. Should boycott the USA Today and the Indy Star, but it's already boycotted. Reason I put the Indy Star is there, they're owned by Gannett. They're all owned by Gannett. It's a piece of crap people running a piece of crap paper. In fact, Gannett, Indy Star, could not have missed. They misspelled Roger Penske. They misspelled the guy Lockwood, who, whose tire flew over. They can't get anything right. But boy, they can call you a bigot. They can call you racist. They, Indy Star's due for a hit piece on me. You watch. They're due. Nobody's reading their crap. 
I look at the numbers. No one's reading any of their crap. They're due for a hit piece. Coming soon. All right. The uh, NBA is investigating a referee because that referee, a man named Eric Lewis, supposedly has burner accounts to defend referees. Referees aren't allowed to publicly speak. It's part of their collectively bargained agreement. But Eric Lewis, who's been doing NBA games since I was a kid, apparently uh, went all Kevin Durant, has a burner account. You know how little I care about this? I put this in there. Who cares? Referees should be more vocal. I want to hear from referees. I want to hear. I would rather hear from referees even in a burner account than not hear from referees who screw up games. That's what I want to do. That's how I look at the world. You may look at it differently. All right, last thing. There you go. There's your guy, Eric Lewis. He's got burner accounts. I don't care. I want to hear. I think referees should have to go and explain themselves at a press conference after a game. I think we're at that point. Last thing before we get to Jack Brewer. You're going to like Jack Brewer. Yeah, you are. Uh, Pete Alonzo, this is a man after my own heart. Jennifer and the rest, you guys on the YouTube chat, you know what I'm talking about here. How many times have you seen me have to get up and say, hey, we'll be right back, got to go? Well, it's because I got to go potty. Here's Pete Alonzo, the slugger, talking about that very thing. I mistimed my pregame coffee. Mistimed it. Mm-hmm. I had it. I had it too close to game time. And then I'm running, running, doing my sprints, and then I throw – in the middle of the first inning, I'm like, goodness gracious, I this is not good. So, um, so I was hit at the top of the second. I was leading off the inning, and I said, I don't care where this pitch is. This at bat is ending first pitch, and it, like because I need to go. And then first pitch, I get a hanging slider, and then I deposit it in the seats. And then oh. as soon as as soon as I as soon as I touch home plate, it was like it's straight to the bathroom. No high fives, straight to the bathroom. Dude, but you, if, you, you if, hit a home, it's a home run, and it has to go. That is epic story, dude. That's epic. That was that was best case, but dude, honestly, if I had to run the base, I honestly I would have gotten picked off on purpose or something because I would I. <laughs> I would have had to go so bad. That is that is phenomenal, dude. That is, oh man, stories like that is makes me want to come back and play baseball again. Is that weird to say or no? <laughs> that's no, that's <laughs> honest. I bet that home run was the one in Cincinnati off of uh, Hunter Hunter Green. Yep, that's it. That's the one. Wow. Oh my God, phenomenal. How'd you know that? Just remembered it was Good the first guess. pitch hanging slider. <laughs> I have an epic story. Uh, it's about a year ago. Maybe it was in the fall of doing Outkick 360 when it was called Outkick 360. I'm never going to tell the story, but let's just put it this way. I didn't get there in time. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know them, you love them, you want more of them, CEO of the Brewer Company. Let's get right into some NFL stuff. This is odd to me, but not surprising. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, failed his physical back in March. Now, the team can move on. What do you see happening here with Jimmy G and his physical? You know, they're paying him a lot of money. I think he's making uh, an upwards of $22, $23 million. So when you're paying a quarterback that much, um, you know, I think they'll start looking at guys like Jameis Winston. Uh, they may bring Jimmy in, but I think they'll they'll definitely have to 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 to, to lower his salary a bit. Uh, that foot, you know, that's a, that's a tough injury. You know, you, you're taking a big risk uh, going in with a guy that you know over his career has had some injuries. He played in about 11 games last season. Uh, played some decent football, um, but he's just not the caliber of quarterback I think you want to go into a season putting all of your eggs in one basket with a guy that's that's you know has an injury uh, that can can be that impactful on his performance. Jack, I get that people say, you know, Lamar Jackson gets injured. I, I don't look at him the same way. Like I don't look at Lamar Jackson's injury. Like I, I wanted him to come to the Colts and I didn't worry about the injury. Jimmy G, I feel like if you get Jimmy G, you know, you just know that 8 to 12 is all you're getting out of him. I, I, I feel like people compare it, but I don't see it. I think Lamar Jackson is a 16, 17-week player who once, you know, once in a while gets banged up. Am I wrong about that uh, assessment? No, you're not. And if he plays 12, he can get you into the playoffs. And I think that's the difference between a Jimmy G and a Jimmy G later in his career. You know, uh, it's one thing to, to go in with a guy that you know uh, can put that uniform on for three, four, five years versus a guy, you know, that you're really bringing on for this year. You know, he's got to have success right now. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think Lamar brings a completely different dynamic uh, to the table for any team uh, just because of his ability uh, to run and throw so much. Those defenses often can literally win games almost on his own. And so, yeah, I, I think your assessment is spot on there. Yeah, it's just weird to me. Like, I, I don't know. I, I Like, I had no, like I said, I had no compunction whatsoever. I'm like, bring in Lamar Jackson to the Colts. Right. I don't want to hear it. I, bring his ass in. Don't bring me Jimmy G. Don't bring me Derek Carr. I need, but anyway, it, it, it didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, because your kids want to go Sanders, watch Lamar. I love it. <laughs> what's, what's that? I said, because your kids want to go watch Lamar, man. I mean, who, who doesn't want to go watch Lamar? I, I don't know the last time my my son said, "Hey, Dad, can we can we turn on some Jimmy G?" Uh, I mean, he doesn't talk about him at, at school to his buddies, you know. <laughs> that's exact. That's exactly right. That's that, see, 
It's all about me, Jack. It's all about me and my <laughs> entertainment. What I want is I'm not paying the money. I want to watch because I'll tell you this. Every time, every time Lamar Jackson has played against the Colts, he's been ridiculous. Like, I, just so good. So, you know, I want that on my team. That's what I want, you know? Right. <laughs> um, what is your take, all told, speeches, transfer portal, money made, sold out spring game? Give me your overall view on um, – Deion Sanders gave a powerful message about racism the other day as well. Yeah, you know, Deion, um, I wish him nothing but the best, man. I was just actually talking to one of my buddies uh, this weekend as I was barbecuing, and we're looking for tickets. We're going to go try to go watch you know, a Colorado Buffaloes game, and we don't care if he wins or loses. Just what he stands for with these kids and this generation, and just it means so much more, man. I'm, I'm rooting for him. You know, you, I've never heard of 80% of a team leaving a team in the same year. Uh, and Dion has come in there and really changing the culture. And he's making a statement, taking it back, um, you know, to the days where, you know, it wasn't all about pacifying kids. And he's not going to do that. You're going to be on time. You're going to be early, actually, not just on time. And that's the generation of football that I came from. Uh, and you can see the difference uh, when you have that type of culture between the cultures that are being created now, you know, you almost have to have that type of leader these days when kids are coming in 18, 19 years old, making millions of dollars playing college football. I mean, this transfer portal uh, has changed the game and it's, and it's really pushing kids to make adult decisions before many of them are ready for it. And so they need a leader like a Deion Sanders uh, to set the tone. Uh, for them. And, and I love this speech on success, man, because, you know, it's easy, especially nowadays when you're getting paid, physically getting paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars more than most of these kids' parents have ever made. They're getting paid at 18, 19 years old now. It's hard to to, to really um, balance all of that at this age. And so when you start looking at success as, oh, I'm going to keep making this money and go on to the NFL. And Dion's like, no, your success is not just based on on what you do on the field, but make sure you get your grades here. Make sure you go on and be a productive father. Uh, go on and be a family a family man and, and, and go on and have a successful career off the field and impact your community. And those are all the things that matter, man. And, and that's what Deion Sanders represents, uh, and that's why I'm a big fan of him. You know, I don't understand anybody that's been involved in sports, whether it's as a player, now a businessman, whether it's a player, then into a coach or a player into broadcast. I don't understand how you can be critical of the message that Deion Sanders is sending. I honestly don't. Right. It, 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 I don't either. I, I mean, you know, you start, you talk about masculinity, you talk about, you know, teaching your your, your son to be a, a good brother, father, son. Like that's what Deion Sanders represents. And so, if you do, unless you want to break down the man, unless you're trying to water down, you know, masculinity, then you like Deion Sanders because Deion Sanders rep represents the patriarchy. He represents what God told us to do. The father is the head of the household, and I think that's what's missing from our society in so many ways. And Deion is strongly representing that. He's not going to waver from it because he's seen it, man. He understands and sees this culture shift 
because he's dealing with it real time, which is why you see an exodus of players leave there that want to go after more of that wokeness. They want to go after and seek a lot of that path to find. And Deion Sanders is not having it, and I love it. Oh, I agree. It, it's it's. I don't know. I'm sure it's the message you grew up with. It's the message I grew up with. It's the message of a tough leader, whether it's a father, could be a mother, doesn't matter, a coach. It's right. just a tough leader with, with – you know what it is? And this is what I like about it. I think because of money in college basketball, college football, I think the bar for coaches to discipline or be strong has gotten lower. Transfer portal. Right. I don't want to piss somebody off. They're going to leave me. I like raising the bar because whatever <laughs> bar you set, Jack, people are going to hit that damn bar. You set it low, they'll hit it. You set it high, they'll hit that damn thing. Every time, man. And that's such a great point because, you know, it, it shouldn't be like that. And what's happening is that money's going to the coach, but the power's going to the players, right? Because it, it becomes about, you know, just keeping those resources coming into the school, keeping the players happy, you know, keeping your paycheck coming. And Dion's the, the, the type of guy that is only going to do it his way. And I think that that's almost needs to be a prerequisite, man. If you're not someone that's going to come in and set your culture uh, and be very upfront about what you stand for, you know, the money is meaningless because then the money is going to go for, for going vain. And so, no, I, I completely agree with you, man. I, I think, you know, uh, more coaches need to take that approach. Uh, and I think the sports is is really the chance for the the culture to be set. It's the only opportunity you're going to get to to be a father to some of these kids, to be a mentor to some of these kids, and to really set them up for their next phase in life to go on to raise their families. They, they depend on these coaches. I know I did. If it wasn't for my coaches, man, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I learned so much, and they were hard-nosed. They took no crap from us, and we knew right from wrong And the most – Valuable lessons that I've ever learned in my life has come from my time with my coaches. And so, um, you know, you can't discount that. Uh, and money can't water that down. And you can't start getting power uh, to a kid because they're not going to have that power in the workforce. They're not going to have that power in their families. They're going to have to humble themselves uh, and, and, and actually go out and perform, no matter if it's in family or in their business lives, man. Uh, I don't know what to do with this Jane Fonda clip. Give me, hey, watch this and tell me what the hell I'm supposed to do with this. You can take anything, sexism, racism, misogyny, homophobia, whatever, the war, and if you really get into it and study it and learn about it and the history of it and the, everything's connected. There'd be no climate crisis if it wasn't for racism. Help me out here. What jersey did she have on? Oh, my gosh, that was hard to watch. Uh, I, I just, you know, the lunacy. Is they're like, it's to have a perspective like that, it's almost, it makes you cringe because it's demonic, man. Um, to talk about men in this way, uh, to have a perspective that, you know, just the simple creation of, of a man wanting to be the breadwinner and lead his home uh, is now evil to Jane Fonda. I mean, think about how twisted that is. What type of messaging does that send to young boys and young girls uh, and to our system, right? Our system that, you know, women are are are, are childbearing women that are your love, your mama. Think about your mama, man. Think about your grandmama. Think about your grandfather. Like, she is going against all of that. 
She is breaking that down and calling that evil. And it's sick and disgusting. Uh, and people like Jane Fonda are the true threats to our society right now, man, because um, they're, they're, they have a movement behind it. You know, people want to go against what's natural. People want to go against, against what God's order and what God created. Uh, and that's dangerous, man. That's a dangerous place to be going. You know, um, the world is insane, Jack. It just, it's just insane. And I, uh, I appreciate having you on because it's nice to talk with sane people. Let's just put it that way. It's nice. <laughs> I look at, I, 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 I just, I, I, I don't know why the world has gotten to where it is, but it's insanity. It's, it's just pure insanity. And I thank you for coming on, my friend. And anytime I love you, I love what you're doing and what you represent. Uh, and to speak it through sports, man, we have to keep going, man. We've been called to do this. And, you know, it's lost. You know, it's lost art these days. And for for guys with backgrounds like us, it's hard to see. But keep doing what you're doing, brother. I'm, I'm here anytime you want me. Thanks, Jack. Thank you very much. Give him a follow, Jack Brewer. Jack Brewer uh, just has common sense. I mean, let's just be on. Jack Brewer just brings common sense. It's what he does. It's, it's who he is, and I respect common sense. At Jack Brewer, B-S-I, you can find him. And if you want common sense, that's it. I mean, if you want pandering, there's other places. I mean, we can all pander. Anybody can pander to any group that they'd like. But common sense is common sense. And boy, do I agree. Man, do I think that bars need to be raised. My God. Raise the bar, and people will hit it. Lower the bar and people will hit it. You know, I have a story for everything. How many of you, and I am going to get into this. Uh, I've got a couple of things, all right? But I got to tell you, how many of you have ever had a put whatever you want in a blender party like they did on Succession the other night? couple players at Indiana, Pat Graham and a couple other guys. I don't remember Pat came to my house after they graduated. We, I was sitting on my front yard. I, was, uh, I forget what I was doing, but I know I was, I was having a uh, daiquiri or my wife was making margaritas. I don't know. We were just sitting there. I was a young coach. Season was over. We were successful. So I just had an evening, and we are sitting there. All of a sudden, Pat Graham, a couple guys pull up. Next thing you know, margarita party gone bad. You know what we put in the blender? Don't do this at home. We put in birth control pills. Yeah, we did. I mean, you name it, we put it in a blender and you had to drink it. A combination of tequila, ice, okay, birth control pills, Tabasco, and I forget the other one was the worst, and you had to drink it. So, you know, I don't know what birth control do, birth control pills do. I, I don't know the whole estrogen. I'm not smart enough. I don't care. But I did. So when you look at the meal fit for a king, understand that Double D did this. Let me give you another story. Back when I was in high school, I was a bit of a prankster. And we had something called skunk scent. Skunk scent, a friend of mine, we, you had two bottles. They would put it on themselves when they were deer hunting. I had friends that were hunters, so they introduced us to skunk set, so we went to Blythe Sporting Goods, and we bought skunk set. We used to, ladies and gentlemen, there it is. We used to skunk set everything. One day, Elmar was a restaurant, fancy restaurant in Merrillville. Our buddy Andy Atar was working there. All you had to do was put two little drops 
onto a napkin. Drop the napkin. Put the napkin in a corner. The whole place would stink. So I went in, two friends of mine who shall not be named, they went in different spots of the restaurant. We dropped napkins and then parked in the VFW across the street and watched people come out like this. We also, Buzzy Golf and I, did it to our high school. It was one of those days like now, March, we're seniors, we're tired, I brought the skunk scent. Next thing you know, we dropped it. Windows open, fumigation company comes, and guess what? We tee-hee, tee-hee, tee-hee. You can't do it anymore. High school students have been arrested, facing jail time for fart spray in a high school. Let's show the tweet. Fart spray? What is this? Ladies and gentlemen. If you've ever done, there it is. Texas teens have been charged with felonies for allegedly unleashing a noxious fart spray inside their high school as a prank, sickening multiple students and triggering multiple evacuations. First, guaranteed you nobody was sick. Nobody was sick. The evacuations, I can't do anything about it. We did it to a White Hand Pantry, if you remember White Hand Pantries. We did it to a White Hand Pantry late night. We got up the next morning. I had to go pick up my friend Marty Gonzalez. And Danny Hanlon and a bunch of us were in the car. We're going to a baseball game. And we drove by the White Hand Pantry, and they had fumigation trucks in there. Not my finest moment. I think the statute of limitations ran out. But, hey. Just because a guy puts a little something, something, my buddy Pat Burns blew up an M80 in the toilet, and what he did was he got a long wick, lit it, we were all in class, uh, I think it was Mrs. Nicolini's class, and if you've ever blown up an M80 in a toilet in a Catholic school bathroom, you know that the Catholic school bathroom are all brick walls, and the sound literally sounds like something that just exploded, I mean like an A-bomb. We're all sitting there in class, and we're all waiting. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. Because he put a punk. You know what a punk is? On the wick. The wick is burning down. It's long. It's burning down. We're just sitting in class minding our own business. And next thing you know, boom! Uh, and we're like, what? you know, you got to act a little bit. What the hell? Now, nowadays, I don't recommend doing that. But back in the day, it was not a bad move. It was pretty funny. And here it is. That was like in 1980. So now here it is, what, 20, 43 years later? We're still talking about it. We still talk about it. Whenever we have beers and pizza up in northwest Indiana, whenever we get together, we're still talking about it. It was one of the great days ever. I can still hear it. I can still tell you where I was sitting. Look. I'm not saying that you should do these things. The world has changed. But you got to have stories. There's a country song about you got to have stories when you're old. And I got stories, ladies and gentlemen, from drinking freaking, hey, I don't, I'm not proud of it, but Pat Graham and I, uh, former player, drinking birth control pills to, I don't know, skunk setting my, my high school. It is what it is. Danny Hanlon had hops. Yeah, he did. Uh, Dan, fart spray is systematically racist. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
I tell you what's racist. Lululemon fired two employees for actually trying to stop shoplifters. My wife right now works at the other one, Athleta. But Lululemon said, no, you're supposed to let these dumbasses come in and take whatever you want. They do the same thing at Athleta in the mall. You're not supposed to stop them. See, I go back to every store in the mall should hire three of the toughest guys that they are. Put them in the back. Someone's shoplifting, you drop the, the, uh, the gate. Every mall store has a gate. You get the employees in the back, you bring out the three guys, and you say, now yous can't leave. Now yous cannot leave. Yous can't leave. Bronx tail style. And then you beat the living crap out of them, and you say you got two choices. You can walk out of here, or the beatings will continue until morale improves. That's what I say is the answer. Not letting some dumbasses steal everything you have because you're Lululemon putting the price back to me. I am no longer shopping at Lululemon, and I'm not going to lie. I like the pants. I do. I like the pants. When I travel, I am not mad at the pants. I'm not mad even a little bit at the pants. You and I both know. You and I both know. Lululemon's pants are comfortable for men. Way overpriced because they let dumbasses go in and steal. Don't let people steal. Now you just can't leave. Or you hire about six or eight guys. Put them at different parts of the store. You see someone shoplifting, you press a button, it immediately goes to the six guys. Six guys come in, they stand there, door behind them, the gate closes, and you beat the crap out of the shoplifters. It's what you do. That's my way of solving all issues. I'm just saying that's what you should do. See, the YouTube chat is awesome because Nick F. wants to know the name of the brand of the fart spray. All I need to do is eat grapes, and the fart spray is covered. Uh, former teammate of A-Rod, Doug uh, Manikiewicz, I remember him, unloads. I mean, he unloaded on A-Rod. Why, Doug? He says, A-Rod is going, do we have video of this? Do we have audio of this? My, my rundown's a little screwed up here. Um, we don't have it, I don't think. Do we? If we don't, no problem. But I got to tell you, A-Rod for being a cheat, A-Rod for doing all the crap that A-Rod does, A-Rod for being a totally, completely, unbelievably unlikable human being, has done pretty well for himself, Doug. I mean, you can be mad at him. You can get pissed. You can be jealous. You can be whatever you like. But A-Rod's done pretty well for himself. He really has. Now, you can say he's going to die a lonely man. We're all dying lonely men. Look, as you get older, you find out you got about three or four friends. That's it. I mean, if something happened with Lee, I, I'd be like sitting around here. I mean, what are you talking about? We all die lonely. The idea that you die with a circle of friends in a packed hospital room, it just don't happen. As you get older, friends come, friends go, and you really need to shut up. I'm not an A-Rod fan. I'm not an A-Rod fan at all. I don't think he should speak for baseball, even though I'm with Fox. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, 
Uh, A-Rod's done pretty well for himself post-baseball. Shockingly well, if you're going to ask me. If you really want the truth, he's done far better than I imagined. So, Doug, love it. Shut up. Just shut up. Nah. All right. Charlie on TV is going to join us. Charlie is, uh, Charlie Arnold, you know her, you love her, from, uh, well, actually, from the WWE, from ESPN, and of course, you, those of you remember her from Fox 59, and you remember the awesome stand-up that she and I did in Crackers Comedy Club in Broad Ripple, where I got to tell, for once, a dirty joke. I always wanted to tell a really filthy joke on stage, and I did, and I'm proud. All right, let's go. Let's get the numbers up. Let's get YouTube going. I also, I'm going to give you my five all-time. I want your thoughts on this. Succession is over. So I want to give you my five all-time shows on TV. One of them, few of you will know. The others, most of you have watched. We got that coming up. Aaron Perini is coming up. Man, we've got handsome men and beautiful women in this next hour. What could be better? That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. It's our number two, and if you get offended by me saying this, kiss my backside. It's two smart, beautiful women and one incredibly handsome man. That's right. That's what we got here in our number two. Let's start off. Well, you've already seen the incredibly handsome man. I'm tanned up. I shaved my head today. I look good. In fact, I had a self-described lesbian tell me in standing there with my wife that, man, Dan, you are hot. I said, thank you. And she told me yeah. that being a lesbian made her an expert, Charlie. So I'll take my compliments where I can get them. How are you? I am the same way. I will also take my compliments where I can get them. However, I'm I'm shockingly pale right now. And I'm actually 
upset about that because I spent all weekend laying in the sun and I feel like maybe it's just the lighting from my windows, but it's not doing me justice. I look like a ghost. You are making me look ultra pale. So um, congratulations to you. But um, other than that, I'm doing fantastic. All right, I got to get into something. Sam Ponder's a friend of mine. Sam Ponder is a woman that I have a lot of respect for because she is empathetic to all people. She gets attacked in USA Today by uh, Nancy Armar, who I, I don't like. I've never liked. I, know, I don't know, but I don't like. I've read her. Uh, and now I like her less. Give me your take, because I think it's a sign of people on the left it's intimidation. Don't speak up or we will crush you in national newspapers. You know, I don't know much about Nancy, but I'm curious. Are you aware if she has pronouns in her Twitter profile? Because I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that she does. I don't know, but I say she does. <laughs> um, it's, it's so funny, just on a quick tangent, on a quick tangent, um, or not even a tangent, because I've been speaking a lot of the same that Sam Ponder has been lately, and I have just been getting attacked on all fronts by all different types of people. And, you know, curiosity gets the best of you when you see someone coming at you with some type of insult or rude remark. You just wonder what kind of person they are. So sometimes you go and you'll creep on their profile and nine times out of 10, Dan, nine times out of 10, it will have pronouns in their profile. If they're coming at me for saying anything, standing up for women's rights, they will have pronouns in their profile. So I'm not trying to make any type of blanket statement about these type of people. I'm just merely making an observation here. But uh, I have understood what it is that Sam is going through because since coming to Outkick and Fox, I have been much more vocal on this same topic, which is trying to protect women in the space that they have been able to call their own, which is in sporting competition. And I think that, you know, for all of the work that women have done and a lot of the women, especially who now are not even speaking up for women and even worse are speaking out against protecting women's sports, uh, it just seems silly that we're even in this position where we're having this conversation, but I think it's so wrong because women like Sam who work in sports, that's all they do. They eat, breathe, sleep sports. They understand how sacred it is for women to have equal opportunities as men. And right now we're giving men who already we see as, I guess, kind of the most privileged group. Uh, we are now taking women's rights away by giving more rights to a group that has already been considered so privileged for such a long time. Uh, it just, none of it makes any sense. I feel for Sam. I feel for any woman. I feel for myself. I feel for Riley Gaines. I feel for Sage Steele. I feel for any woman who has tried to make a small impact by giving a voice to a lot of women, because a lot of people are afraid to speak out. We know this. Um, so I think it's a shame for the people who do have the courage to do so. And there's so many people I can vouch for this because I've had tons of people reach out to me privately and publicly who say thank you so much for starting this conversation and being very vocal about this. I think it's a shame that then there are the people out there, especially women, who are saying you're a bigot for doing so. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd, and I don't really have any uh, more words for it other than that. You know, it's interesting and once I got into political mode, as opposed to, you know, calling a game on Tuesday night and Saturday in the, you know, in the Big Ten for ESPN, 
the political criticism is far more, there's far more hate in it, right? My, my, my stuff comes from fan bases. Well, you don't like my team, Michigan State fans. But, but the politics criticism is like filled with hate. I love it. Yeah, it's honestly, it takes every ounce of me. I'm telling you every ounce of me not to just completely shut up these morons when they tweet something so stupid at me. I just want to like reach through the computer computer screen and shake them and be like, what is wrong with you? I mean, the intensity that they come at you with is wild. I mean, I have been called every name. I mean, I've been called the C word, which is a word that like generally people don't throw out so casually. I mean, that's kind of like the, the worst right. of the worst, right? I have been called that name alone, I would say in the past week, 30 times. And it it's it's interesting though, because when you are used to being called names or attacked for things that you truly, I mean, listen, there are certain things in my past I've said, and you know, for example, in a relationship where I'm trying to defend myself, like, no, I'm not wrong. Like I, I refuse to back down on this thing, even though in my mind, I'm like, Charlie, you know, you're wrong. You might as well just say it. But at that point, it's a matter of pride, right? You're not going to back down. These are topics that I'm like, in what world does any person not understand the debate we're having and how there is one side that is clearly right. It's just mind boggling. And it makes me laugh because I'm like, I just, there are certain people you can't reason with. And I just, I can't waste energy on those people anymore, but it stinks because then it encourages less people to speak up, you know, like the people who could make a difference, like the Sam Ponders of the world. Uh, it's it's just like no one wants to speak up because they know the backlash they're going to get, even though what they're saying at its core makes so much sense. Uh, I'll tell you who did speak up, a high school father of a female skier who lost to a transgender uh, boy skiing as a woman says it's not fair to girls, I, I don't give a damn. You can write it in USA Today, be negative all you want, but good for that father. Would you agree? Yes, good for the father. But also, on the other hand, the father spoke up anonymously because they were afraid of the backlash they were going to get. It's not even like a father whose daughter just lost out on a life-changing opportunity, potentially winning the state championship in skiing. He didn't even feel comfortable speaking you know, using his name and identity because he didn't want the backlash. But I'm still happy that he spoke up because, you know, even if more people could start, you know, rallying the troops and getting, you know, once people realize there's more people that feel the same way as you do, which we all know they're out there. We know you're out there. Many of you, most of you. Uh, but once more people start speaking up and making their feelings known, it's going to give more courage to other people. And then, you know, once there, there's... What, what do they say? There's a uh, power in numbers, right? So, you know, I'm so happy that this dad spoke up because this, this boy isn't even someone that competes in every sport as a girl. He competes in some sports in cycling as a man, probably because he's a more skilled cyclist. But once he saw that he was not a such a talented skier, he was like, wait, well, if I identify as a woman in these sports, I can win. But then in the other sports where I have more of the natural raw talent, I can stick with my my true, you know, gender that I was born with. 
and be fine there. So it's it's not even like these policies are being enforced uniformly. I don't see, first of all, I don't see how a man should be able to compete against women. a woman. Anyways, that's one story. But it's another whole thing to have a man who is allowed to compete in some sports as a woman and other sports as a man. I mean, at this point, it's just getting... It's just getting silly. Like it's getting to be very circus like the world we're living in. Charlie, Eric Adams has a lot of problems. Like he's the mayor he's of the town. He's another clown. He's Dan. the guy. He's the one. <laughs> uh, speaking as a fat guy, um, I don't mind being discriminated against. I don't. I, I, I see when people say, "God dang, Dan." Your face is three X handles wide. I'm like, ah, crap. I got to start dieting. I like the criticism. But I think Eric Adams has more important things like, well, I don't know, being a sanctuary city, rising crime, incredible crime in the subways. Uh, but he, he's, he's fighting, you know, he's fighting for us here. Me. Yeah. Well, you. Me. You know, yeah. Well, you notice that all of the things that he has been pushing for lately have nothing to do with any of the problems that are plaguing the city. The problem, the problems that when he said he was going to become mayor, that he was going to take care of. I mean, we have a former police chief here and have the worst crime rate that we've had in decades. And none of it makes sense. Um, right now he's so concerned with, you know, not discriminating based on body types and, you know, potentially, you know, giving tax credits and all this to people who go vegan and pushing all these crazy lifestyles on people that <laughs> listen, do what you got to do at home, but you have other things that New Yorkers are worried about that you should be handling in the public eye. Okay. So here's what I think. First of all, being fat in New York seems to me like a big conundrum because it is not even, it is not even um, easy being a fit person or a skinny person in New York who eats less. It's a very expensive city to live in. So I can only imagine if I'm spending X amount of dollars. Last night, listen, Dan, I went to Whole Foods last night. I got two bags of groceries, two. And it was $94. That was it. So I can only imagine what a fat person pays for groceries in New York City. Um, it's just, I don't get what we're doing here. He can say all he wants about, we're not encouraging obesity. We just want to make everything fair. This is about justice. This is not about justice because there are so many people out there who maybe not morbidly obese, but maybe just like you said, you consider yourself fat, but by the way, you're not fat. And I would never call you fat, even if you were, but you're not. Um, <laughs> but, but there's a lot of people who could still consider themselves to be out of shape, overweight. And I'll tell you, for example, in apartment hunting here, it's a very competitive process. There are five people who will put offers in at an apartment at the same time. And it is then ultimately up to the landlord who they want to choose. And that's not based on anything other than, hey, you have a great credit score. Hey, you um, don't have a roommate. Hey, you can pay for this on your own. You don't have a guarantor. There are a lot of factors, but I can I can promise you there are going to be people once these laws go into place that say, oh, well, the pe all the other candidates, they were in shape and skinny and, and, and good to and nice to look at. I didn't get the apartment because I'm overweight or I'm ugly or whatever the case is. This is going to open up the door to so many absurd lawsuits. And it's just it, people are looking for any excuse that they can to be a victim. And this is only encouraging that behavior even more. I agree. I mean, the victim card, 
when I when I tweet somebody and they get mad at me, I always go back with, "Well, I'm waiting for your victim tweet. Come on, bring it on." Great, exactly. A, a woman yesterday, Dan, she was going at me about you know being hateful and I'm a transphobe and all this, and I said, "Listen, and this is one of those instances where she came at me so hard that I had to go to her profile and check out what she was about." And she, of course, you know, had the rainbow and the pronouns and all that is fine and well. But then a couple lines down, talked about BDSM and hashtag, I go by the name Ginger Kitten. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I mean, I just, it's the most absurd of people who come at you and then when you go back at them, play the victim. Oh, well, oh, you know, how little of you to, to dig into my past. And I'm like, dig into your past. It's in your Twitter profile. This is like all, this is what you're proud of that you, <laughs> you know, frequented Satan's bedroom on a regular basis. What? <laughs> uh, you are preaching to the choir, sister. You are, you are, I love all of it. Hey, I do want to end with this. Look, I like a lot of smack talk in anything. I don't care what it is. I mean, I, I like a lot of smack talk. Here's the deal. The Astros gave it to the freaking, uh, what's it called? The A's. The they A's. gave it to them. They gave it to them good. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, well, it's, and, and listen, this is the world we live in. Social media, I feel like anything goes. The good, bad, the ugly, um, but there was no lies told here, Dan. Uh, the A's have almost nobody watching their games, and it's laughable. And I think that, like, it's it's a very innocent form of trolling. I mean, it'd be one thing to make fun of, you know, personnel or, you know, for, you know, reasons that I don't think could be justified. But this is this is a pretty innocent troll. Um, there's tons of empty seats. They're having a horrible season. What, who wants to go watch a team that they know is going to lose? I mean, it's kind of one of those, you know, like in Indianapolis, you go watch the Indianapolis Indians because it's a super cheap ticket. You go just to have a beer and a hot dog on a nice day. Like that's one thing, but I don't know what the tickets are in Oakland for these A's tickets, but, and I don't know how difficult it is to get to the stadium. Uh, but a lot of people don't want to inconvenience themselves to watch a bad game. They don't want to shell out a lot of money to watch a bad game. Uh, it is what it is. I support the online trolling from the Astros. And I also think it's hilarious that it's so quiet that the teams have to turn down their pitch comms because it overwhelms <laughs> the quietness of the stadium. <laughs> like, that is so bad. Uh, look, I love all of it. I, I am here for all of it. I Look, um, they're just, I don't know, a minute away from leaving Oakland and going to Las Vegas where the trop was anyway. So, and they got possums in the media room. They got possums coming through the walls up top. Good for them. Get ripped all you want. Act like a major league team, Oakland, and shut up. That's how I look at it. Yeah, exactly. This is a, this is one more example of people just being way too sensitive. Like this 10 years ago uh, never would have been an item that we would have been talking about. It just would have been accepted. You suck. You're getting made fun of for it. And that is just how life goes. Hey, when's the show starting? Let's go. 
Let's go. I know. I, you know what? I can't believe it's almost June. It's June in two days. This summer is already like, I feel like going to fly by, but uh, the show is starting in August, which right now feels like a lifetime away. But, you know, just like I said, everything is moving so quickly. So we will be smooth sailing by the time football season rolls around. So we're targeting late August to uh, get the show off and running. And uh, it's going to be in the mornings. We'll wake you up with some energy. And uh, I'm so excited. We have no name for it yet, though. So we're just calling it the show. It's not. It, it's not summer until I put on my Speedo and go swimming in a public pool. And I think that's going to happen today. And it's just going to be glorious. Oh, wow. Well, I, if you're interested in potentially um, some some suits that would suit you and, you know, be a bit more feminine, I hear they have them at Target. So it might be worth looking at. Hey, last thing. Do you watch Succession? I do. What do you you're think? Gonna ask Okay, so I okay, so let me tell you, I really was not um, prepared to do the weekly tune in like we had used to have to do back in the you know old olden days. So what I did when season four started is I started back at season one and rewatched all of the seasons. So now I'm only through episode six on season four. So let's revisit this topic, please, um, because I would love to fill you in on what I think. Um, but I have made sure to stay off all of any type spoiler type accounts. So I know nothing. All right. Fair enough. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Hey, <laughs> Charlie, thanks. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. See you soon. That is Charlie. I know it's going to be a great show. It's going to be right before ours. I cannot wait, but yeah, summer starts when I get in my speedo and I jump in the pool. That's right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. Nobody needs to see that action. All right, it's Top 5 Tuesday, and I asked Charlie about succession. All right, well, I'm going to give you my, my top five shows of all, not of all time. I don't know if I can go of all time, but there is an of all time element to it. There is. So, we're going to start, ladies and gentlemen, because I like to build to a crescendo. And I ask for your feedback as well. I want to know who, what, where are your top five shows um, that you've been wa binged watched, or maybe some of you like back in the day, All in the Family or Sanford and Son. It was hard for me not to put Sanford and Son, Fred G on here, but I did not. All right. I did. All right. So I'm going to go number five, Boardwalk Empire. If you haven't seen Boardwalk Empire, you got to check out Boardwalk. Look at him right there. Is there a better actor in America than this guy? Now, let me explain something to you. Let me just explain to you why this show is so good. First, it was really the first show that I watched on, you know, the whole um, uh, lockdown, we're going to sit around, we're going to do, you know what I mean? And Steve Buscemi was freaking awesome. That's Steve Buscemi, for those of you that don't know. This show goes back to 2010. This show captivated me. It was really the first binge watch show. Lee knew about it. I said I'm in. I could not get enough of it. And when I say I could not get enough of it, 
I could not get enough of Steve Buscemi and this show. But again, it was my first. And who doesn't remember your first? I remember my first. You remember. Everybody remembers. So that, ladies and gentlemen, in my world was very important. And this show was very, very important. Number four, The Sopranos. The, look, I love movies that involve the mafia. I love books that involve the mafia. I have read damn near every book ever written about John Gotti. I love the Irish mafia. I don't love the Irish mafia. I love books about the Irish mafia. I love books about the Paul Castellanos of the world. I love it. And I love this show. I'm not the biggest guy, not the biggest guy on the ending. I'm not like, wow, that ending was great. But I'll tell you one thing they did in that show. And I live here on a lake, and I hope nobody ever does this to me. When they put a boat, they tried to drive the guy out of the house so they could buy the house on the lake. When they put a boat in the middle of the water and blared music day and night, I sit here, I look at my lake, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope nobody does that to me. But there's so many great scenes in it. I will say it moves slow at different times. But, man, the characters, all five of those guys right there were freaking awesome. And then you add in Deidre, then you add in the wives, then you add in the mother. Fantastic. Then you add in uncle, whatever his name was. Unbelievable. A lot of people would have put this first. But see, I'm secure. A lot of people want to act macho. Well, you know, I love... No, no, no. No. This was good. Ending not great. Uh, I love the opening song. Woke up this morning, got yourself a gun. I loved it. Loved it. Would sing it for the rest of the day. All right. Numero Trey. Breaking Bad. I like Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad. I couldn't stop watching Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, it took me a few to get going. You know, Saul Goodman in there helps out. The character's fantastic. It was either that or Ozark. It took me a while to get both of these going. Like, I really ended up loving Breaking Bad. I did. And one of the reasons I love Breaking Bad is because the wife... Of, oh, that was Ozarks. Never mind. One of the reasons I love Breaking Bad was because of the violence. See, if you're going to have a show about meth and drugs and cartels and money and the Southwest, you got to have big violence. If you don't have big violence, ladies and gentlemen, then I cannot help you. I'm going to move over here because it squares me up a little better. You got to have big violence. Big. Blow up a downtown building with the good meth. Great violence. And I liked it. See, I like, I'm not porn guy. I'm not weed guy. I'm not strip joint guy. But I am in comedy. I like filth. And I am, ladies and gentlemen, in shows. I ain't mad at good violence. Love good violence. All right. Let's go to something else now. Numero dos. And you're not going to like this at all. You are not going to like this. I'm sorry, but I got to do this. I got to plug in a computer. You're not going to like this, but my number two show of all time was my number one show of all time forever right there, Soap. If you haven't seen Soap, here's how good it was back in the day. 
It was so good that I'm sitting in church as a kid. The priest says, here are a list of advertisers for this new TV show called Soap. Boycott these advertisers. Do not go to these advertisers. It was in, there was two churches at my church on Sunday mornings, the 10 o'clock mass in the gym, the 10 o'clock mass in the church. My mother, the holiest of women, we would peek in. If Father Wood was doing the Mass in either, we would go to Father Wood because Father Wood gets you out of there in 45 minutes. Whoever the priest was, I don't think it was Father Wood, he whips out a list. It was in the gym. He whips out a list of uh, companies that are advertising on this show right here, Soap. It was Billy Crystal's debut. It was freaking awesome. Robert Ulrich, Dan Tana's debut. Katherine Hellman, a.k.a. Jessica Tate, her debut. It was freaking raunchy. It was different. You had homosexuality in it, which at the time, oh, my God. You had adultery. You had affairs. You had crazy. You had sane. You had dumb. You had It was awesome. Fastest 30 minutes on TV, and it was only once a week. But it was awesome. The only show, network show, that I would compare to Soap is 30 Rock. Now, I left Curb Your Enthusiasm off here. Wrong move. I left Ozarks off here. Wrong move. I'm really into Barry. I really like Succession. Didn't love the ending, but I, I went back and rewatched it. But my number one show, I swore I wouldn't watch my wife, Lee, was watching. I'm like, I ain't watching it. I don't like those things. My number one show is Don't At Me with Dan Dockage. It's the number one show ever. Or, or it could have been Hogan Heroes with porno Bob Crane down there bottom left. Or, or it could have been any Tuesday or Saturday broadcast that I was on. Or. It could be right here. Right here, Game of Thrones, my number one show. It is exactly what I don't like. I don't know, but I loved it. I loved it. My nephew is actually the, the lady right there, her agent. And she's awesome. Tiny. But she gets naked in it, for those of you that are perved. Jon Snow's a stud. You got the mountain. You got the White Walkers. You got Defending. You got Dragons. I don't, you got Dothraki. I don't know what else you want in a show. I go number one there. I'm willing to take all the heat that is coming to me. But that's my number one show. Period. That's it. I don't mind the Golden Girls. <laughs> what? <laughs> I loved early MASH. McLean Stevenson MASH was awesome. I forget the ending of Game of Thrones. I can't remember, right? Man, I did not like Laverne and Shirley. I love Sanford and Son. Well, my wife, because this is kind of how I walk when I'm sitting up, I kind of bend forward and my arms go behind me. And anytime I'm in a restaurant and I got to go to the bathroom after sitting, my wife goes, wah, 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 and I hear it. Like I could be across the world and I could hear it. It pierces my brain. It does. It gets me. A lot of people like The Office. I don't get The Office. 
I'm sorry. I don't get the office. Uh, I love 30 Rock. Don't like love. I love Two and a Half Men. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. I do. Uh, I forget the show, but it was terrific. Putty was in the show. I love Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld's great. I do. Love it. But I... Talking more about binge-watching, watching, I love this show. That's it. And I thought I never would. All right, when we come back, incredibly handsome man, smart handsome man, and smart beautiful women hour continues with my friend Erin Perini. We'll find out if she is offended by me calling her a smart beautiful woman when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I told you it's incredibly beautiful, smart woman with incredibly handsome, smart man uh, hour here today, Charlie Arnold. First up, I hope we didn't offend you, Aaron Perini, but hey, look, uh, it's a compliment. It is a compliment. Listen, I've been called much worse things instead of being called nice things. So that's a change of pace for me at this point. So I don't mind it. You know what's interesting? Uh, being in broadcasting and doing college basketball games for 10 years, individual fan bases would get mad at me. And it was like, yeah, okay, you're a fan of Michigan State, and I said something you didn't like, so what? Man, having a show that's even a little bit political, the political comp, I mean, excuse me, the political hate is just insane, Aaron. It is just nuts. Oh, yeah. Every day, all of the time, people want to bash each other and tear each other down. It's really aggressive, but there's a great feature on Twitter, which is mute. I use it all the time. People who want to bash me and try to get my attention and make a bunch of noise, I mute them. I put it to the side. I drown it out. I don't engage. And that's how I maintain most of my sanity. Well, you are a New Yorker, and you are still dealing I'm sure with, it's not a tragedy because it's sports, but you know, the disappointment of, of what happened in the beautiful, whatever the hell your stadium is in Richfield. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, so you've had hardship in your life. That's true. And um, uh, I, that's a good poll calling it Rich Stadium there. Hasn't been called that for a while. Um, you know, the, the Bills, um, yeah, I mean, that Bengals game, it still makes me sad. It was the worst football I've ever seen. We've talked about this. I'm a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. I'm used to, like, 
getting kicked around and being, you know, having to have a tough skin. Um, that plays the same in politics. It's kind of why I like politics and sports. It's also why I put a lot of like my passion and my heart into sports is because at least that's not my career. It's not my job. It's just something I get to enjoy on the side. Um, but I'm very on the stadium. I'm very excited about the new Buffalo Bills stadium that's coming. We deserve a new stadium. So very excited about that. Yeah, you, uh, you do deserve a new stadium. You deserve all the good things that are coming because certainly Buffalo fans Bowl. have had. All I want, the Super Bowl. <laughs> never, back, never back down 24. You are supporting. Um, I love uh, Ron DeSantis for president. He doesn't back down. That's part of your deal that's like we support a man who will not back down is for America is for common sense DeSantis announces for president so let me ask you as someone that's in Iowa right now on the front lines with DeSantis what's been the reception the reception's been absolutely massive. And when I say that, I mean it completely. When we're talking about the grassroots, the ground game, people who are out there and engaged, we're talking about over 30,000 doors that have been knocked so far in support of Governor DeSantis. We are talking about canvassers and volunteers out there getting the message out there. That enthusiasm is What's going to make the difference when it comes to caucus time? When you get to New Hampshire, we've started knocking doors and our grassroots uh, canvassing operation is running out there as well. People are really excited. They've been waiting. There's been a lot of anticipation about Governor DeSantis entering this race because people have seen his success in Florida. They want to see that unapologetic success in the White House, whether it's defending women's sports or it's defending children in schools or making sure parents have an education bill of rights. There's a parent bill of rights. When it comes to families, there's nobody stronger than Governor DeSantis. When it comes to economic opportunity, you see the same thing. People have been waiting. They're excited. And now we're hitting the ground running. If someone were to ask you, and that someone's going to be me right here, by the way, um, what's the biggest difference between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis? There's a number of policy differences, but it's also the ability to deliver the message and be unapologetic in the fight. Ron DeSantis makes the policy the purpose. He doesn't make the noise, the purpose. He stands up and he says, hey, I'm going to make sure that if we are delivering for the economy, for Floridians, that we're not shutting down with heavy-handed government COVID regulations, that we're going to continue to defend children, prevent them from being targeted with hypersexualization. When you see that, that's his focus always. It's delivering results and not the other noise. He's not afraid of the fight. We've seen that. He'll get into it. He'll square up straight to any member of the media, and he'll say these are the facts and this is what's happening. But he makes the policy the focus. And that's such a great thing to see because not only does that policy lead, but public perception follows. That's why you saw him lead unapologetically on defending families and businesses. And what was the result? an almost 20-point electoral victory in 2022 in the state of Florida. When you make the policy the purpose, you get great results, and that's what you get with Governor DeSantis. Hey, Aaron, when, when I always look at it this way, um, and, and maybe this is the coach in me, because when you coach, you're like, all right, what do we have to overcome to win? What do we got to do? What, what, what does the other side do that we have to overcome I'm asking you the question. Now, I believe, now I'm just going to throw my own personal editorial in here. 
Uh, I believe that DeSantis is the best candidate, in my opinion, what I have seen. But here's the problem that I see, and you tell me how this gets overcome. I don't think elections are fair. I think Democrats have a certain system in place that is taking the election out of the hands of the American people and putting it into... I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what, whether it's ballot harvesting, whether it's this idiotic, you don't have to show an ID to, to vote. How does the Republican Party and Ron DeSantis overcome that type thing? Well, for one, Governor DeSantis did electoral reform in Florida, right? Being able to win and then being able to make legislative changes is going to be crucial across the country to protect free and fair elections because that's what every American who is legally allowed to vote should have the right to do. But also, this has been a problem with Republicans across the board, and this is not a problem you've seen with Governor DeSantis, is that they complain about the rules instead of playing the game that's there. Right. If that means that there's early voting, if that means there's absentee, if that means you have to go out and chase to get people to mail in their ballots, unless you stand up and you're able to change the rules, you have to play by the rules that exist. And that's what Republicans had a hard time with. Governor DeSantis took uh, took every opportunity to make sure that every vote that was available, if that was early mail in, if it was absentee, if it was early vote, that people showed up in Florida and put their voice out there by the laws that exist. So that is crucial. Republicans need to make sure if we want to win the White House, the House, the Senate, governor's races, state legislatures, one if you want to make a change, you got to win the race, right? There's the old adage, right? Winners make policy, losers go home. Well, you're not going to change the policy if you don't win. So you got to win the races first, but you have to win them by the rules that exist. And so Republicans have to be out there on the ground, knocking doors, making sure in their state that they show up to get the vote out in whatever that looks like for each state. There's certainly the opportunity to make sure that we make it a more secure electoral process, but Complaining before we can do that doesn't change the outcome. The way you change the outcome is winning the game. Funny you say that because yesterday, it, taking it to sports, we saw the head coach of the Boston Celtics, Joe Mazzula, address his team before they went out, and he told him, hey, make sure you're having fun and smiling because that's the most important thing. And I thought to myself, my ass, the most important thing in a game seven is winning the freaking game. And then you can do what you're doing. Then you can smile. Win the freaking election. That's the most important thing here. It is. And we've seen what happens when Republicans don't win the election, right? You look at this White House right now with Joe Biden, and what are we seeing? Economic malaise. We are seeing the far left continue to drive policy in this country to the detriment of families and businesses and global success. We are looking at a geopolitical disaster every day with Joe Biden at the helm. Those are real consequences. You want to talk about a rising China, a rising Russia, a rising Iran, a rising North Korea? Those are direct result of poor geopolitical policy. And when Republicans don't win, this is what happens. So yeah, we got to step up. We got to win these elections and we got to make sure we get every voter turned out. And right now in the primary process, that means knocking doors. It means talking to your friends, talking to your neighbors about what's most important to you. And for us, we know that the man that can deliver those successes are is Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, um, Last thing on that, how, how, how does this work? You're inside it. I am not. Everybody went to bed thinking Trump had won the last time. Next thing you know, 
you know, uh, it, it doesn't happen. There's all kind of allegations, all this kind of stuff. I'm sorry to be sticking with this, but I do feel this is really important in this election for Republicans to figure out the voting process. Now, do the Republicans, in your mind, and DeSantis leading it, is there a plan in place, I guess this is really stupid, but for election night? I don't even know what I'm saying. This seems so weird to me. Yeah, I mean, every campaign has what they call EDO, Election Day Operations, right? And that's them setting up, stepping up, making sure they're ready to go for the election day. But right now we're in the primary process. So that means looking at the first four voting states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. What are you doing to shore up those states? Right now, Never Back Down has staff on the ground in all four of these states. And then you jump ahead to Super Tuesday states. And that brings your totality to 18 states you've got to look at before you're getting toward the end of March. And that, again, means at Never Back Down, we are putting staff on the ground now. And this is part of the thing when it comes to winning these hard primary fights, because this will be a hard Republican primary fight, is that most campaigns will have people in the first four states. They will rip them out of the first four states and deploy them into the Super Tuesday states and start to try to get ready to make up ground because they haven't had people there. This grassroots movement, this never back down movement that exists behind Governor Ron DeSantis, it is going to make sure that we don't have to rip people out, that we're already building the on the ground infrastructure there so that when it comes time to vote, we're already ready to go to get DeSantis voters out, to convince those who are maybe on the fence and to make sure that when it comes to results on election night for Governor DeSantis, whether it's Iowa caucuses, New Hampshire's first in the nation or you're rolling through into Super Tuesday, that the operation exists to get the voters out. And we're doing it a little bit differently here because this super PAC is going to make sure that the resources are available and the conversations are had with voters about how Governor DeSantis's record of success can mean success for Republicans. I mean, I point to Florida again in 22. You want to talk about a red wave. You look at Florida in the 22 election. What they were able to do there was go all the way down ticket and win Republican races, including flipping school boards, right? That is how you win, is by having a good, strong ground game and a great candidate. Both of those things right now exist for Governor DeSantis. Man, I love the passion in your voice about it. I, re- I really do. I do. I, lo- I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, my father, bear with me. When I got divorced, my father said, hey, lose weight, get yourself a nice sweater, you'll be fine. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's great. Um, I hear I'm going to equate this to the Buffalo Bills. I love the fact that Josh Allen, now this may sound sexist, I don't mean it to, um, got rid of or his girlfriend got rid of him. Like either way, I don't care who got rid of who, but change it up. Change, cut your hair, get a shave, do something different. Like one time for a six-game winning streak when I was a head coach at Bowling Green State University, I wore my clothes backwards, my sport coat backwards. You got to change it up. I'm glad Josh Allen is changing this up. Are you? I, you know, I don't want to speak to Josh's personal life. I think there are a lot of very excited ladies in Western New York to imagine that there's a single Josh Allen in Buffalo. But I can also tell you that his coaches are saying he's more focused, that they've never seen him in a better headspace than he is right now. Ultimately, I want Joshua Patrick Allen to win the Buffalo Bills 
a Super Bowl. I want him to be happy in his personal life as well. But ultimately, I want my Super Bowl. I've waited my entire life to win one. And at this point, listen, if we can bring in DeAndre Hopkins too right now, the Buffalo Bills, we've just brought in a new offensive tackle with Shell. This could be a really exciting offense that if we get DeAndre for more than one season, and obviously we got to do some cap, cap space work and, you know, Big Baller Bean's going to have to do a little bit of, um, you know, contract negotiations there to make sure we can do that, some restructuring. But if we can do that, this is going to be a formidable Buffalo Bills team to make sure we can win a Super Bowl this year and next year that we don't have to worry about Joe Burrow and we don't have to worry about Patrick Mahomes getting DeAndre Hopkins either. Josh Allen is absolutely elite. He's one of the best quarterbacks and he was super undervalued coming out of Wyoming, right? He played Juco and then went to Wyoming. Nobody really saw this out of him except the Buffalo Bills believed in it. And now I want to know that I'm going to get this Super Bowl because I love Josh. We've gotten really close to getting there, to getting to the Super Bowl. We were really good last season. Everybody kind of maybe overvalued us. Now's the time. So I'm glad that Josh is in a good football headspace. I want to see that. I want Diggs in a good football headspace. I know Stefan's getting a little emotional right now. That's his vibe. I can appreciate it. But on the offense and the defense, we're going to have some much better depth on our offensive line. I am so excited about Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde again at safety. That makes my heart so happy. I'm excited to see Matt Milano again. Obviously, we all know that is my favorite Buffalo Bill. But this could be the team to win it. And I really hope we get that DeAndre Hopkins piece. And I know that Bean can probably make the cap space available to do that. It's just a matter of what's DeAndre's top priority going to be. He said he's wanted to play with Josh Allen. Is his priority going to be money? Because if his priority is money, he can go play for the Carolina Panthers. They're going to have more than enough money for him. But if his goal is going to be to win a Super Bowl and do it in a city where he's going to be such a king and so valued, I mean, you want to come and be in Orchard Park and be a Buffalo Bill. My reaction to that is very nice of you to care about Josh Allen's personal life. Very nice of you. Me personally, I don't care about anybody's personal life when they're on the football or bat, but I get it. I know. Uh, second thing, DeAndre Hopkins, we call him the mad crapper here in Indy because at the combine, for whatever the reason, DeAndre Hopkins and a wide receiver, this is true, from Rutgers decided to crap up their entire hotel room. Cost $21,000 for them to fix. So we call him the mad crapper. Beware of what you wish for there. Uh, I would also say that the Buffalo Bills um, need, need, because it is very difficult in the AFC, and you mentioned a couple of the guys, Patrick Mahomes, very difficult. They need a focus, Josh Allen. Girlfriend, yeah. no girlfriend, I don't care. He needs to be the man because I want to see you and your husband happy, not, not filtering out of a playoff game in a blizzard, unhappy, period. Listen, the Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl. I will be the happiest woman in America. I just don't know how it could get better. I just have waited so long for this. I believe Josh Allen is our quarterback to do this. I believe that Diggs and Gabe, if we brought DeAndre in, it would be a little bit better for Gabe. I like Kincaid. I like the Dawson Knox. Like, I think it's all there. The pieces are there. It's just now, and now it's Dorsey's second season. He's not a rookie play caller anymore. So this is like, okay, guys, like, let's put our big boy pants on. Let's stay focused and let's win this freaking Super Bowl. Yeah, big boy pants. That's the thing. You, you, hey, look, you got to walk it. 
You, you do. Hey, you're the best. Thank you for your time as always. Can't wait to talk to you once football gets going because you might be our best analyst. <laughs> Thank you. I always appreciate it. Go Bills. Yeah. Uh, look, you got a follower. If, if you're going to have any interest at all, you're, you're just going to have to follow our friend Erin Perini on Twitter because she is going to keep you on top of what's going on with Ron DeSantis. She's going to keep you on top of what's going on. Uh, in the election, she is a massive Bills fan. All right, we got a little bit of time here for our Wokey Adopi. And by the way, uh, thank you to our YouTube chat. You guys showed up here early. Tell your friends, tell your family, because I'm not sure that you can get a better show than this one. Seriously. Incredible insight. Sports takes beyond everything else. You got all this to look at all two hours. I mean, when you can look at this, particularly when it's tanned, wow. And shaved. Let's have a look at the top of the head right there. Look at that thing. Look at that sheen. All right. Who's woken? Who's doping right now? Let's see what we got, Nick. My generation had Wonder Woman. Your generation has wonder if it's a woman. You know, I share my personal life here far, far uh, deeper and uh, too much informationally than I probably should. But I got to tell you, Lee is a big Wonder Woman fan. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go out and get her the full costume, baby. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to get the full costume, including the power, whatever those things are, wristbands. And then we're going to see what happens. Yeah, my daughter can't hear me. She's out there on a Peloton, thank God. But yeah, I think we're going to do that. You know, as you get older, fantasy and role play is what I'm hearing. I've never been that guy, but it might be time to start. Is that too much information on this show? Am I giving you too much information? It's kind of what I do. It is. I'm sorry. It's kind of what I do. After this, the Speedo, maybe a thong. I'm going to roll around in the grass, jump in the pool, and have myself an afternoon. My generation, we had Wonder Woman. Your generation, we're wondering if it's a woman. Man, oh, man. What else we got back there, back in the archives of Woke Dope? Oh, yeah, I saw this. Our veterans get one day. Our dead, our Memorial Day, one day. These clowns get a whole month. It's pride. Look at these idiots. Look at the bottom there and tell me that, okay, I don't know. I don't care what's normal. Like, I'm not one of those that says, hey, this is normal. I'm not one of those. What I am is one of those that says, wait a second. There's some mental health issues going on here, and I don't give a damn how you classify me. But when my daughter was little, in fact, right now, if my daughter went into the women's bathroom and one of these clowns in drag followed her in, my ass would be in the women's bathroom. If that's offensive to you, there's nothing I can do about it. There isn't. You're not going to convince me that that is anything other than being a good dad because one of the things about being a good parent is never wanting to be responsible for your child getting hurt, ever, when you knew something was wrong. That's one of the major responsibilities of being a parent. I know this is wrong. We're not doing it. 
I know this is wrong. I'm going in the women's bathroom. I don't care whether this hurts feelings. I don't care whether this is some kind of esterobic. If one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I'm sure they're all very nice people, but if one of those nine walked into the bathroom immediately after my daughter went into the boy, a girl's room, I would be in there in a second. A second. Get mad, get glad, get angry, get sad. Do whatever you need to do. And I think most of you would too. I do. I think most of you would too. That was a big deal when years ago, the bathroom laws, the bathroom rules were there. The bathroom rules. Oh my God. We can't have... Uh, we we got to let everybody in everybody's bathroom. It was literally the dumbest conversation ever. Uh, the All-Star game went away from Charlotte in the NBA because of the bathroom rule. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. My daughter, my wife, my mother, my mother-in-law, my sister, my sister-in-law goes into a bathroom, and one of those guys goes in after What has two thumbs and is going in? This guy. That's right. Great crowd today on the YouTube chat. Great, 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 great crowd. Fantastic crowd. And I thank you. We got a full week for you. We got all kind of goodness uh, coming up all week. Do yourself a favor. Keep it on this channel. Go to Hot Mike coming up at 3. I believe that Clay's probably uh, got something going at noon. Do Do me a favor. Subscribe and like. We're almost, how about this? Outkick is almost at a million followers. I might do the show topless if we get to a million followers. Uh, I might have to put a Manzir on or a bro. I'm not sure which if I were going to do it topless. All right. Last thing before we go. College basketball desperately needs a pregame, halftime, postgame show that's relevant but fun. Now, in the mode of Barkley, Kenny, Ernie, Shaq, I obviously am the only one that moves the needle in college basketball. So I got to be in the Barkley seat. Who do you put in the Ernie seat, in the Shaq seat, in the Kenny seat? They got to have real hoops chops. They got to. They got to not take themselves so damn serious. I mean, you watch these shows. You know, Big Ten Network, when it was me, Jimmy Jackson, and Revson, that was the heyday. Now they've got children. Rafael Davis trying to whisk the whisperer. you got to be able to have fun. That should be a prerequisite. Who would you put in there? I ask on Twitter. I ask here. I thank all of you. There it is right there. I thank all of you for being here. Nick, you're doing a great job. Dylan, welcome back. Ryan, you're making this fun. Ryan, don't ever feel like you can't put anything on that sidebar underneath. You put anything you damn near want. It was a beautiful hour. It was Charlie. It was Aaron. It was Dan. Thanks for joining. We will see you tomorrow.